Well, good morning, and it's good to see you on this Canada Day weekend, and I hope that you've been celebrating a little bit already. When was the last time you took a photo? I'm guessing it probably was Canada Day yesterday. Maybe you were out at City Hall for some celebrations. You're probably decked out in red. I do not see enough red here today. I'm a little bit surprised. Um, maybe it was at the fireworks last night. And when was the last time you had a bad photo? You know, maybe someone uh, caught you with a double, triple chin. Or maybe they caught you, you know, just at the wrong time, mid-blink, you know, mid-sentence. You know, all of us, we have these digital screen brains, these smartphones that we carry in our pockets. And many of us are overflowing with photos, videos, and images. And we spend hours mulling through them. You know, we're deleting those bad photos, of course. And we're using filters to give us flawless skin. And we're posting the best selves, the best sides of ourselves. And that doesn't even count all the hours that we spend scrolling through other people's feeds. So today's commandment, the second commandment, it might just feel like the perfect antidote to all that. Almost like God knew 3,000 years ago how we would be bombarded by in images. So welcome back to week two of our summer preaching series on the Ten Commandments. As Tyler introduced last week, the Ten Commandments are the first ten of 613 instructions that God gave the Jewish people. Israel had been brought out of Egypt and delivered from the house of slavery, and they were led by Moses on this long trip, this long journey to the promised land, and they make this pit stop in Sinai. And here at Sinai is where we, we hear again God's personal name, Yahweh. And this Yahweh God gives these commandments, these instructions to the Jews. And ever since then, for a thousand years from Moses to Jesus and 2,000 years from Jesus to us today, these Ten Commandments and all the other sets of instructions, they're bundled together in the Old Testament in what we call the law, the Torah. I know we have lots of lawyers and law students in the house, so for the rest of us, what's so exciting about the law? If you're a committed Christian, or even if you're spiritually questioning or cynical, we all have this love-hate relationship with rules. We don't want to be told what to do, but we still want to know what the right thing to do is. And so here at St. Paul's in the 10 weeks over the summer, we want to explore these 10 commandments as 10 words, 10 words that give life, words that open up the abundant life that Jesus promised to all his followers. And so, over these next few minutes, we're going to explore some of these same questions that we're going to explore almost every week as we go through the Ten Commandments. First of all, what is that commandment? What is its fuller purpose? What's the larger vision, the positive purpose of it? And how does Jesus fulfill this commandment that preceded him by centuries? We recognize that Jesus and all the first followers were faithful Jews who observed the law, the Torah. And then as we close, we're going to look at how does this look like for our individual lives and our life in community if we fulfill it. So let's dig into this commandment. The second commandment in a nutshell is deceptively simple, as last week was also. You shall not make for yourself an idol. 
And most of you are here in church or maybe you're tuning in online because you worship God. You worship the God that is described in the Bible. And as Christians, we might often pair this commandment with the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. In the sermon series that we have out in the glass atrium, Bearing God's Name by Carmen Imes, she makes a good argument for joining these two commandments as a pair. So you're thinking, I don't worship other gods. I don't have any other idols. Number one, number two, a package deal. Simple, I got it done. Is that it? With a commandment like this, we might consider selfish practices of fame and money. Those are idols, right? I don't know if you've been watching TV, but we're at 21, 21 seasons of American Idol. 21. Or maybe there are other priorities that can take the place of God in our hearts. Intangible things like family, career, our reputation. Those are idols too, right? They are. And last week, Tyler discussed how holding multiple idols in our hearts, it divides our heart and it causes us to be anxious. But this second commandment was given to Moses, and it was meant to be specifically concrete and tangible. In other Bible translations, we read, you shall not make for yourself a graven image. And that prohibition here is on carved idols, representations, don't make images of things. So no photos, no images, no representational art. The only thing you've got is Jackson Pollock abstracts, paint splatters, and random shapes. That's all you've got. But you're probably thinking, Ben, look around. Look at all the stained glass around here. We're covered and we're surrounded by it here. And these are all images representing figures and saints in the Bible uh, in our church history. And if you visit Tyler or Tyler's office or you visit my office, we have these icons, these graven images of Jesus. So if Tyler is breaking the law on tattoos, then all of us here are breaking the second commandment about idols and images, let alone all the images on our smartphones. So thankfully, this is one law that we need to find the fine print. It's one of these covenant terms and conditions that we need to keep reading because the details are in the next verse. And this is from Exodus 20 that we read last week. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in, in the water under the earth. The second commandment prohibits making images for a particular purpose. You shall not bow down and worship them. So don't make a likeness of any created thing and don't worship it. No birds in the sky, no animals on the earth, no fish. Don't make idols for the purpose of worshiping them. All right. So these idols, these, these idols that for ancient Jews and for their neighboring tribes, these idols and these graven images were their main focus of religious worship. These ancient idols were human-made representations of a deity. They're these little small things that you can see in the museum in some places. And today we might have those photos of birds or paintings of animals, but we aren't worshiping them and we sure aren't serving them. And if we're not talking about these conceptual priorities of family, money, career, and fame, what idols are we talking about? 
I want to make the case that even if we worship God, even if we worship Yahweh God, we could still make an idol of God, a false image of Yahweh God that we make for ourselves. If you're here searching for the ultimate divine being of the universe, you probably came to church today with a checklist of some attributes for this divine being, for this God, characteristics that you hope they would have. And even if you're a longtime Christian, you've probably done the same too. We make a false image of God when we define God on our own terms. Maybe it's a God that never contradicts. Maybe it's a God that only asks for easy sacrifices, never hard ones. For me, I want a God of justice without love. And on other days, I want a God of love without justice. We want a user-friendly God like we want a user-friendly printer. Guaranteed that when you press that button, you always get the same outcome. We want a God that we can wrap up in a bow and put in our pockets, a God that we can carry around and control. Walter Salmon was an American artist who painted Jesus in 1940. And if you try to imagine what Jesus looks like, you probably see this Jesus on the screen. This painting has been reproduced, reprinted by last count, 500 million times. A serene Jesus with a neat beard and flowy hair. And if you're able to join our pilgrimage to Israel next year, you will immediately realize that Salman's Jesus is not Jewish at all. He's European. He's white. A first century Fabio. Warner Salman, he painted Jesus in his own image because Salman was Scandinavian. That's a Scandinavian Jew Jesus. So in Romans 1, verse 25, the Apostle Paul describes those who worship idols, those who worship false images. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. So how can the creator of all the universe, the creator of wood, stone, nature, how can this God be sliced and diced and squeezed into a human-made object? Consciously or unconsciously, we make our own images of God. But any false image, any idol that we, we have, it'll always be smaller and finite. It's like virtual reality or the metaverse. These things are false because they're incomplete. There's no depth. There's no touch. There's no smell. And even if an idol is well-constructed, it's still an incomplete reality. It might be close, but it's still a lie. So that's the second commandment. And as we mentioned last week with Tyler, that the commandments are a floor, a minimum, pointing us to the fuller vision of abundant life promised by God. And if the minimum of, the, of this command is don't make a false image, don't worship it, don't worship a lie, then what is the positive purpose? This commandment is a reminder to us that God has already created an image. We are created in the image of God. So we don't need to go on recreating other lesser images of God. In Genesis 1, on the, the sixth day of creation, at the beginning of all time, God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. 
being an image of God, being created in an image of God should be a comfort to us. Our self-worth is not defined by our lowest failure, but it's also not defined by our highest and best quality. Our self-worth is defined by God's image inside each of us from our creation. And at the same time as being a comfort, this challenge, this is a challenge for us. We have and we bear the image of God. That's a tall task. Adam and Eve were created and given dominion over creation to love, care, and tend for plants and animals in, in all the garden. But if we look around the world, if we're honest with ourselves, humanity is pretty ugly and messed up. We have definitely not cared and tended for the earth. We argue over petty issues. We invade territory with false pretenses. We help only when it suits our schedule. And even Christians here, those of us who should know more about the image of God, we still misrepresent the image of God just the same. Each person has the image of God, but through sin and through brokenness, we bear a dirty and a tarnished image because God created us to be mirrors, mirrors that reflect God's image into the world. But our mirror, our mirror is dirty and broken. And in a sense, we are the false images of God as well. So then, how does Jesus fulfill this commandment? And what did we read from Colossians? We read that Jesus fulfills it because Jesus, he is the perfect, the true image of God. Paul writes that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And Paul is echoing what was read in the Gospel of John. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son. It is Jesus who has made God known. In human form, Jesus is the tangible, the concrete image of God. For in Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And when we look at Jesus... We see God. We see the full, the fullness of God. So worshiping anything else, an idol, a false image, an incomplete image of God is like living by flashlight at night. When we create our own image of God, maybe it's a Walter, Warner Solomon, Jesus, a user-friendly God, it's incomplete. It's smaller. It's finite. It doesn't capture all of who God truly is. But Jesus, Jesus is the true light, which enlightens everyone. When we worship Jesus, when we worship the true, the full image of God, we are living in sunlight. We live by day. As we wrap up, there are still these two questions that we need to ask for ourselves. First of all, what does my individual life look like if I fulfill the second commandment? I am created in the image of God. I don't need to create another incomplete, lesser image of God because God, the creator, has already made images, made me, made each of you. Yet I am not a perfect image of God. A good image sometimes, but definitely not a perfect image. My life is tarnished by sin and brokenness, sometimes from my own dirt, 
sometimes from the grime of the world wafting around me like the, the fires and the smoke that is billowing outside. But Jesus is the perfect image of God. And I don't need Solomon's Jesus, that flowy hair Jesus, because as I commit to daily prayer and daily scripture reading, those are the second practices of our rhythm of life here at St. Paul's, the Holy Spirit is making me more and more like Jesus. That's our individual life. No more making and worshiping false images, but becoming more like Jesus, the perfect image of God. And the second question is related to our community life and what it would be like if we commit to fulfill this commandment together. In our community here at St. Paul's, this commandment means seeing and acting with the knowledge that our neighbors, those beside you in your pews, but also those our neighbors on Bloor Street, they're also created in the image of God. Each and every human that has ever lived and will ever live is created in the image of God. And while we don't bow down before our neighbors, we don't worship them, we can still love and care for them. And this is why the third and fourth practices of our rhythm of life here at the church are about service and generosity. We show our care for the image of God that God created, the images that are our neighbors, and we do that through service and generosity. So this week, as you leave here, as you go out to take coffee in the atrium, maybe you're bumping into strangers on the subway. I encourage you to look for the image of God in your neighbor, to look for into those images that God created. And as you look into those images, imperfect and tarnished, I pray that you will see and worship the true, perfect image of God, the one that we see and that we know in Jesus Christ.